Well, this is the Hari Raya season. And I'm sure, you know, there will be a lot of celebration going on, open house. How many of you go for Raya open house? Your friend invite you, your colleague? Yeah, quite a number of you, right? And it's also during this kind of festive season, like Chinese New Year, Hari Raya, Tipawari, whatever the major festival, you notice that a lot of companies, you know, they will be come up, coming up with a lot of commercial video, right, to promote their product. Or maybe to send greetings right, to the people. And of course, in the greeting, they will always put their logo there, whatever is it. Do you like watching all these uh, commercials? Do you? No? Who like to watch? Who? Some like to watch. Who don't like to watch? But I tell you some of these commercials, not so much of those, you know, uh, 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 one, a 30 second kind of a commercial, but those short films. Those short stories can be very meaningful. And one of those commercial short films that I like to watch yeah, for this kind of festive event uh, is Petronas. Uh, Petronas come up with very good uh, storyline, a uh, short film uh, when it comes to this kind of festive uh, season. And so, you know, during this uh, Raya, the Petronas Raya uh, 2019 short film uh, called Rendang Soraya was quite a good film to watch, right? Short film. You talk about this young lady preparing, you know, uh, to go back Bali Kampong for hometown. And uh, she was busy and then she was trying to actually learn to cook rendang the way the mother did it. Everybody, maybe those, you know, they know how to cook rendang, but different people got different tastes. But she's trying to perfect her skill to cook rendang her mother's style, right? So she went back home, you know, and the mother would encourage her. She would go to the market that the mother went to and buy all those ingredients that was needed right, to cook the rendang. And the short film would begin to tell, you know, as she was cooking, the mother was giving her ideas, suggestions. You must do this, you must do that. Don't forget to do this, don't forget to do that. And the mother was saying, you know, and the mother said, hey, you must cook it nice. Your rendang is not nice. known for this. It's going to marry you, you know, that kind of thing. And finally, the mother made a statement. Right, this is my secret recipe. You must learn it well. If not, when I'm gone, nobody will remember. When I'm gone, nobody will remember. And then, you know, you went back to the next raya or so. Yeah, it didn't tell how long. The mother by this time has gone. And then it was a scene show that she was making the rendang again. And she was telling the father, the father was preparing to go to the mosque. And she tell the father, take some rendang before you go to the mosque. And of course, Right, you zoom in to the father, taste a bit of the rendang, and she was very, you know, she was kept in suspense, don't know how the father will feel, do not know whether the rendang tastes good or not, you know. The father take a bite, and then with all the expression, then you say, hmm, it's very delicious. And then she said, what I mean is, the rendang tastes just like your mother's rendang. Wow, then the girl was so happy. She was so delighted and she was so comforted and she turned around to an empty chair. The empty chair that her mother used to sit. But her mother was no more, but she carried on the legacy of her mother's rendang. So the point was, the mother was gone, but the rendang legacy continues through the daughters. What has it to do with Pentecost? Nothing. <laughs> but the reason why I share this story is that, that Jesus spent three years with the disciples. And he knew that he would soon leave them. They had become attached to him. 
And Jesus knew that they would be lost if he is gone. He also knew that they couldn't fight the battle alone. He knew that they are going to face a lot of obstacles. People are going to persecute them. And so he promised them that when the Holy Spirit, when, when, when he promised that when he goes away, the Holy Spirit would come. He will send them another advocate. Another advocate. In some translations, they say another comforter. In other translations, they say another counselor. Or even another helper to continue the legacy of Jesus. So in John chapter 14, verse 16, this morning I will want to talk about Holy Spirit build our lives. And in John chapter 14, verse 16, uh, this is what it says here. And I will ask the Father, Jesus is saying, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither see him or know him, but you know him. For he lives in you and will be in you. Jesus said, when I go away, when I am gone, don't worry. Somebody else will come to replace me. My legacy will not be lost because the Holy Spirit, the advocate will come. The comforter will come. Uh, the word advocate, comforter, counselor that's been translated into different, different terminology. Maybe there's no English terminology is good enough to uh, represent what the original means. That's why different translators will use different terminology. The word, the, the word uh, in its original Greek means parakletos. It means one who comes alongside to help you. Sometimes there are times you know, where we dare not to be alone. At the time, we dare not go to a place alone. We dare not talk to certain individuals alone. But there, that's when. Uh, somebody come alongside, will give you the courage, will give you the comfort, will give you the encouragement that you can go along. Right? It's just like, maybe, you know, uh, it's just like a lawyer uh, who comes alongside you to help you if you have to attend court cases. Or maybe sometimes certain things have happened, you have to go and make a police report and you are afraid. Are you afraid that when the police you know, may want to interview you like this and that, you know? So, you know, you say, hey, can you come along with me? So somebody will come along with you to the police station uh, to help you, to give you a little bit, boost, uh, uh, a little bit of boost, uh, some moral support to help you, to guide you, to advise you what to say. And that's what the Holy Spirit is about. Uh, the Jesus is going to leave them. Uh, and they have been with Jesus for, so, for the last three years. They were so attached to him. If Jesus would just go away, they will be completely lost. There will be a sense of emptiness. They won't know what to do. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, another advocate will come. Right? He is called the advocate. But do you know that Jesus was also called the advocate? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he said, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Jesus Christ is also our advocate. The same word used, parakletos. The use on Jesus is also used on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit continue what Jesus has done, changing life, right, transforming life, right, meeting the needs of the people. Right, and He was going to do what Jesus had done through the disciples. He would come to their defense. Right, Jesus, our advocate, plead with the Father whenever we sin against God. He pleaded with the Father, he will say that, well, I have already taken their punishment. The, their penalty of their sin is already upon me. And because Jesus has already taken our punishment, he is our advocate, and you realize that a, a, a person who sin cannot be punished twice. Jesus said the punishment is already on me, so they should not be punished twice. 
Therefore, he advocated on our behalf before the Father. Jesus came to our defense. Same thing, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, will come to our help, will come to our defense whenever we need Him. When we journey on this earth, when the disciples journey on this earth, whenever they have issues, they have difficulty, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, will come to their defense. So Jesus promised them. He promised them, you know, that the Holy Spirit will come to them. And true to His word, after He ascended to heaven, He sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So you have the typical Pentecostal passage in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. Uh, it's rather hard to preach a Pentecostal message without reading Acts chapter 2, right? <laughs> Why don't we read it together? Acts chapter 2, read from your Bible. Uh, this may be a bit difficult to see, but let's just read from the Bible. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 4. Right? Uh, read along with me. Let's read. 1, 2, 3. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So this passage of Scripture marked the coming of the Holy Spirit. The disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, even though the word baptized is not used here, but you realize that in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus said, you know, ask them to wait. He said, you will be baptized. Like John baptized you in water, now you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. A few days from now. And they waited. And so this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit poured upon them, they began to speak in tongue. And this is marked this also marks what we generally call the birth of the church. Because from this time forward, it's going to be the Holy Spirit and the disciples working hand in hand. And they are the ones that are going to preach the gospel and the church expanded. But before this, the Holy Spirit was merely accompanying them, be with them. But from now on, the Holy Spirit is in them. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be in you, no longer just be with you, but He will be in you. He lives in us. Jesus knew that he could, the disciple could not survive the temptation of the world. And that the disciple could not survive the onslaught of the Satan without the help of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, He sent the Holy Spirit to guide them, to lead them, and to empower them. The Holy Spirit has come to build the life of believers. Come to build the life of the church. Come to build the life of the apostle, the early disciple, and the Holy Spirit has also come to build our life. And so this morning, I want to talk about how the Holy Spirit has come to build our lives in two different ways. First of all, the Holy Spirit has come to empower us. The Holy Spirit has come to empower us. Jesus, in His promise to send the Holy Spirit, said that the Holy Spirit has come to give us power. In Luke chapter 24, Verse 49, it says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power. Read that with me. Clothed with power. Yes, wait until you have been clothed with power from where? From on high. It's going to come from heaven. It's going to come from God. So when Jesus said this word, He was speaking to a group of fearful and perhaps doubtful disciples who were uncertain of the future. They were always fearful. 
When Jesus was arrested, they were fearful. When Jesus was crucified, they were fearful. When Jesus was in the tomb, they were fearful. Even after Jesus rose from the dead, they were also fearful. They were always fearful. And Jesus said, we are going to be cloaked with power. And he's speaking to this group of people who were so uncertain of the future destiny. Jesus knew them too well. A bunch of scary cats. And Jesus knew that they would soon be persecuted. They would face many, many hardships. Right? And their faith would be stretched to the limit. So to this group of ordinary, unimpressive, rough and fearful disciples, Jesus promised them power. They will be clothed with power. Now when you are weak, when you are fearful, when you are uncertain, you need power. I believe the Holy Spirit has come to empower us to deal with the many struggles we face in our Christian life. Right? And today I just want to highlight two areas that the Holy Spirit can help us. He can empower us in these two areas. First of all, not the Holy Spirit that can give us power, we can be clothed with power to overcome fear. The disciple needed power and courage. And this courage will come with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Similarly, many of us are just like the disciples. We have our own fear, we have our own doubts. I'm sure many of us have our own fear, right? How many of you, after becoming a Christian, you are still afraid of darkness? Gonna. There are Christians still afraid of darkness. Oh, of cockroaches, yeah. I'm still afraid of cockroaches. <laughs> right? And we will still have certain fear, right? And perhaps certain doubt. Will they time you doubt about God? I'm sure you do. And we have questions. Even John the Baptist has his question, has his doubt. Right? But it's alright. Right? When we doubt, doesn't mean unbelief. Doubt and unbelief are two different things. Unbelief is that you don't believe. Doubt is that I believe, but I still have some question in my mind. So it's alright. Right? Intellectual doubts are alright too. So you realize that you know, uh, we also have that. And so therefore, the, we also need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice this word. He said that you will be clothed with power. What is clothed? We are all wearing clothes today. Alright? Wearing clothes today means our clothing is, we are being wrapped around by clothing. Alright? We are being wrapped around by clothing. Okay? Right? So you will be clothed with power from on high. That means you will be wrapped around by the Holy Spirit, wrapped around by His power. Alright? Your clothing speaks something about you. Whether you like it or not, the world will judge you by the clothing you wear. If you dress like a beggar, they are not going to pay attention to you. Am I right? Yeah, whether you like it or not. Now you can say, oh, nowadays we want to dress down, but the world will still judge you by the clothing you wear. You dress in a uniform, they will identify you with certain uniform body. Whether your uniform is a police uniform, whether it's you know, right, a, a kind of a ranger uniform, right, whether it is a hospital uniform, right, they will identify the uniform with a particular organization. All right? so, but if you dress in a royal robe, they will give you the highest honor because probably you are the king. You know, right? And so they, therefore, they have to give you the highest honor. That's why king and royalty will have a different clothing. They will wear their royal robe, they will put on a crown so that people can identify that these are the ruler. Now, when the policeman clothed with the uniform, he carries authority. When the king right, clothed in his royal garb, he speaks of his power and authority. 
If you wrap yourself around with torn clothing, people will treat you like a beggar. We know that nowadays there are so many that kind of superheroes movie. Do you know that every superhero also have their own trademark kind of a clothing? Uh, Superman have his Superman clothing. How he wear? Underwear outside. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man have his Spider-Man clothing. Batman has his Batman clothing. And how he wear? Underwear on top. <laughs> All right? Uh, Wonder Woman have her own set of clothing. So you realize that different superheroes will have their own trademark, their own clothing. Uh, and even the weapon that they hold. Uh, you see that Superman, before he flies into the air, he, don't, he will just be talking to you, and then he sees the need. He wants to become Superman. He don't just fly like that. Suddenly, he disappears somewhere, right? Then he changes the uniform. Then he flies. Correct or not? Uh, Spider-Man, same thing. He talks to you, oh, there's a need, you know? He hides somewhere. He put on the Spider-Man. You know? In those uniforms, only they got the power. <laughs> Yeah, without, it seems like without wearing their uniform, without wearing the superhero uniform, uh, there's no power. So each time when they're in action, they are dressed with, they are clothed with, they are wrapped around with their uniform. That's where they got their source of power. Can you imagine? We are clothed around, we are wrapped around, no need superhero uniform, no need superhero clothing, we are wrapped around by the Holy Spirit. That we have been clothed with power from on high. Amen. That is a power that Jesus has given to us. Better than superhero. We are spiritual hero. Hallelujah. Right. Now we are supernatural hero too. Superhero is still not supernatural. But power from one high from God is supernatural. And there's time of power God has given us. He clothed us around with that. Take away the clothing of those superheroes. They are just ordinary human beings. But for us, the Holy Spirit resides in us. And the Holy Spirit clothes us with His power. When people look at us, they will pay notice because they see the power that is in us. They see that we are different. Our clothing is different. Our clothing is not of this world. They see the power of God in our lives uh, when we are clothed with the power. So you realize that when we are clothed with the power, fear will give way to courage. Doubt will give way to Faith and inferiority will give, faith, give way to confidence. We are going to serve with confidence. So there is this power to overcome fear. And then the next is that when we are clothed with power, God gives us a power to witness. Right? He gave us the power to witness. This is yet another struggle we face. We know that as Christian believers, we need to be witnesses. But many times we do not know how to start, we do not know what to say. Uh, we get tongue-tied. Uh, we do not know, you know how to uh, share the gospel. And that's why you know, many Christians shy away because they do not know what to say and their mind just go blank. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says that but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So this is a promise that Jesus has given us that we are clothed with power. We will receive power to be his witnesses. In Acts chapter 11, verse 24, it talks about this guy by the name of Barnabas. We all know Barnabas. He was a, he was a, he was a comforter, in a sense. Right? He was a really a good uh, friend to many people. Right? He has a gift of help. He has a gift of comfort. He has a gift of encouragement. He was an encourager too. And the Bible tells us that he, referring to Barnabas, was a good man, 
full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Full of the Holy Spirit meaning he was filled with the Spirit and with faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. A very simple one statement. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith and many people were brought to the Lord because of him. Now, how did Barnabas bring people to Christ? We do not know. We know that Barnabas was one of those who one of the first missionaries together with Paul right, in their first missionary journey. But a lot of time, you notice that the signs and wonders are mainly performed by Paul, not so much of Barnabas. But yet Barnabas was able to bring many people to the Lord. He was very effective because the Holy Spirit empowered him. Whether it's through sign or wonder or not, it doesn't matter. But the sharing of his life, the sharing of the gospel was so effective, right? That even though we do not know the ways and means, but no doubt he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to lead many souls into the kingdom of God. So therefore, you don't have to wait until you are like one of those apostles to be able to perform signs and wonders to bring people to the Lord. We don't need to. God can bring people to the Lord by using us in different ways, based on the different gifting that He has given to us. In Acts chapter 4, the religious leader arrested Peter and John. Prior to chapter 4, you have chapter 3. Peter and John, they actually you know, healed a lame man. Uh, that was lame from birth, 40 years at the beautiful gate. And this man, you know, after receiving his healing, he was skipping, he was jumping, he was praising God. And was, people were so attracted and people were coming to the faith. And therefore, the religious leaders were not happy. They arrested Peter, they arrested John, the two chief apostles during that time. Right? Two main leaders. And put them in jail. And the next morning, they interrogated these two of them. Right? And Peter filled with the Holy Spirit responded by preaching to this group of religious leaders. He preached to them with great courage, and they were astonished by what they heard and by what they saw. Even though they interrogated Peter and John, instead of being intimidated, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, filled with the Spirit, he preached to them. And therefore, this group of religious leaders didn't know what to do. All they could do is to warn them to threaten them, uh, to warn them and threaten them not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. But after hearing this, Peter and John went back to the group of disciples. And the group of disciples said, hey, tell us what happened, tell us what happened. They said, calm it, calm it, guys. Don't be so excited. We are all right. They warn us. They threaten us. They say we cannot preach in the name of Jesus. The disciples say, how can? Cannot, right? Cannot. Let's pray. And so they gather together and pray. And so in Acts chapter 4, verse 29 to verse 31, and this is what happened. It says, Now, Lord, consider their threat is a prayer of the believers and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I want you to notice their prayer. What did they pray? They prayed for bonus. They prayed for a miraculous sign too. Right? Because stretch for your hand to heal and perform signs and wonder. So two things they asked for God. They asked for bonus. They asked for power. It was through power, there will be signs and wonder. They asked for bonus. They asked for power. And then after they prayed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. What did they asking for? Bonus. Bonus come. By the filling of the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit filled them 
And so they went for And not only the Holy Spirit filled them It tells us that the place While they were praying was shaken Signs and wonders <laughs> right? It was shaken right? And they went out to speak the word of God Boldly Look at the last statement They prayed for bonus Holy Spirit came They were clothed with power They were clothed with bonus They went and preached boldly at the end of the, of the day, you know, the Bible tells us, you see, right, with the power of the Holy Spirit, five thousands, another all together, right, the, the number grew, right, by now, there are five thousand that were added to the church. Along with the courage, the Holy Spirit empowered them to perform signs and when the spiritual gift was activated. And therefore, you realize that they were clothed with bonus, power, over fear right? And they were clothed with power To witness as well We too need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit Do not say that Well, the, the apostles were different You know, they were living in the first century right? They are the apostles Remember, we may be different In many ways Yes, we may be different But it is the same Holy Spirit It's the same Holy Spirit That is at work in them And in us as well uh, the Holy Spirit that is at work in them is also working in our life. The Pentecostal power is not just meant for them. The Pentecostal power is also meant for us. The Holy Spirit filled them and the Holy Spirit wants to fill us. The Holy Spirit baptized them and many of us have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will continue to baptize. As much as we desire to seek after Him, He will want to fill us with His Holy Spirit. In the church camp, there was one session that we were praying for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. How many of you at the camp, you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit the first time? Anyone? First time, yes, pray God. You received baptism in the Holy Spirit first time. Anybody else? I think there are some that are not here today, right? There are a few people that are not here today. How many of you received a refilling of the Holy Spirit? Right? You were baptized, but somehow, you know, I, and you feel that, you know, you, you needed the refueling. You received the renewal refueling? Hey, you're very shy. Lah. We prayed at the altar for so many of you. You all were refueled, and now they're not raised <laughs> Bonus, come on. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, now I see more hands. You see? You see? Huh? Must have bonus, lah. raise hand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we receive bonus. Okay. So that's what, what I'm trying to say that the Holy Spirit will want to continue to fill us. If you have not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, don't be discouraged. Right? We have time to pray for you. Uh, we have time to pray for you. And even after this, we can pray for you that you may receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some of you may be seeking. Maybe you've been seeking for a while, you have not yet received, but don't get discouraged. The Holy Spirit will want to fill you. Yeah, we can still pray for you today. Alright, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just about power and action It's also about life transformation Sometimes we get so, we emphasize so much about the power About the supernatural, about science and wonder We forgot another important aspect of how the Holy Spirit built our life Is that He wants to transform us too right? The greatest miracle is not science and wonder The greatest miracle is transform life Life, they are changed by the power of God. You know why? Because miracles can be duplicated. Science and wonder can have its counterfeit. Look the, read the book of Exodus. When Moses performed some miracle and sign and wonder, the magician in Egypt was able to duplicate. They were counterfeits. And Jesus also said, 
in the last day, there will be false prophets. They can also perform signs and wonders, but they will lead many people astray. So signs and wonders can be duplicated and they can be counterfeited. But the changed life had to be genuine. A changed life had to be done by the power of God. And the change of heart can only be done with the help of the Holy Spirit. And for the month of June, we are emphasizing on spiritual formation. Spiritual formation. How we have to rely on the Holy Spirit that our life can be transformed, our life can be changed. And what is spiritual formation? Many books have written on it. It's not so much about forms. It's not so much about things you do. It's not so much about processes, but it's really about transformation. Spiritual formation takes place when we are transformed to be more and more like Jesus. So this month bulletin, right? Spiritual formation, I just have a short article on it. You go back and read spiritual formation that we want to be like Jesus. So the Holy Spirit has come, not only to empower us, but the Holy Spirit come to transform us. The term filled with the Holy Spirit does not necessarily mean every time it has to be associated with power and the miraculous. Not necessary. It can also mean dependent on the Holy Spirit to live out the Christian life. In Acts chapter 13, verse 52, Acts chapter 13 recorded for us the first missionary journey of Paul together with Barnabas. And towards the end of this chapter, you read what happened. Right? Acts chapter 13, verse 52, just one short statement. Right? And the disciple, the disciple as Pisidian Antioch, were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. That's it. They were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Full stop. There was no mention about that, you know, they were filled with joy with the Holy Spirit and then they went out and performed signs and wonders. No. It just said that now, this group of disciples, bear in mind, they are new Christians. Paul and Barnabas went and preached the gospel. The church was newly formed. These were new believers. And, but these new believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with joy and they lived the Christian life right, in the joy of the Lord. They, uh, they, they lived the Christian life, you know, they are being filled with the Spirit. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit here? Right, you realize that the account shows us that uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit was a common experience of the early Christian. It was a common experience. It was not unique. It's not only a certain group of uh, Christians will be filled with the Spirit. It was a common experience of the early Christian to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Once baptized in the Holy Spirit, we need to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. But what does it mean? In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says here, and be not drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? Now, here it gives us a contrast. You want to know what is being filled with the Spirit? Look at the contrast. The contrast is that it's contrast to getting drunk. When you are drunk, you are under the influence of alcohol. When you are drunk, you lose your sense of bearing. And when you are drunk, you, know, you realize that you, you make poor judgment. In fact, the Bible tells us that it leads to debauchery. Debauchery means all kinds of indulgences, immorality, sinful acts. In fact, you know, in the ESP, it says that it will ruin your life. If you are drunk with the Spirit, you will ruin your life. Uh, just like drunk driving. Drunk driving kills. Drunk driving kills not only the driver, but it kills the innocent people, other road users as well. Right? So because when you are drunk, you lose your sense of bearing. When you are under the influence of alcohol, you don't know what you are doing. 
That's why the Bible warns us about getting drunk. In fact, the book of Proverbs strongly discouraged rulers, leaders, for taking wine or alcoholic drink because it will affect their judgment. In contrast, to get drunk, it says we are to be filled with the Spirit. In other words, instead of being under the influence of alcohol, let us be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, when the, when the Holy Spirit first came down and they were speaking in tongues, other people thought they were drunk. But they were drunk, not with alcohol. They were drunk with the new wine of the Spirit. They were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And this is what right, uh, be filled with the Spirit is all about. Under the influence of the Spirit, against the influence of alcohol. Now, the influence of the Spirit will lead us to godly living instead of valuing. The Holy Spirit will influence us for good. Alcohol influences you to do the evil, but the Holy Spirit will influence you for the good. So this is what we can understand. Another description uh, or another uh, 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 explanation of, of being filled with the Spirit, the Bible you always use is full of the Spirit. Just now we have read, so and so full of the Spirit. You are filled with the Spirit, you are full of the Spirit. What does it mean? Now, what does it mean full of love? You heard of the phrase, like, full of love. When you're so filled with love, you're willing to do anything for the person you love. Am I right? Yeah, for those of you, you know, who have been through courting day, for those of you who are still courting, you are full of love for the person. You want to do anything to just, feel, uh, you know, help the person. Now, love motivates you. When you're full of love, love motivates you. Love propels you. Love affects your decision. In the same way, when we are full of the Holy Spirit, we are allowing the Holy Spirit to dictate our life. We want to live our life to please Him. We are motivated to live a life that is pleasing to God. Uh, we will let Him lead us and guide us. We will submit to His will. We have sung the song just now, I surrender all. And one of the stanzas say that, yes, come fill me with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want. We want to be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead us to surrender ourselves to God. The goal of Christian life, is that we are to be like Jesus. That's the goal of Christian life. It's not to do more signs and wonders, but it's to be like Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Right? And we all with unreal face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Or other translations, we are being transformed from ever-increasing glory, or from glory to glory, which comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Uh, the statement actually continues, that we are being transformed, how? It's really by the Spirit. We are transformed from glory to glory to be more like Jesus. The heart of spiritual transformation is to live a Spirit-filled and a Spirit-led life. When our lives are directed by the Holy Spirit, we will change. When we change, we will exhibit this characteristic. Now, when we change, we will have right relationship. Now, continuing in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, but now we are going to read all the way to verse 20, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 to 20. He said, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And the statement continues. When you are filled with the Spirit, what will you do? Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now it tells us that when we are filled with the Spirit, we will have a right relationship with God and with men. The Spirit-filled life will result in a worshipping Worshipful heart. We will sing to God in Psalms and hymns. And not only we will worshipful heart, but with a thankful heart. We will give thanks to God. Now we have a worshipful heart, we have a thankful heart, that means we have a right relationship with God. We have a kindred heart. Right relationship with man. Why kindred heart? It says that speak to one another with Psalms and hymns. That means you don't just sing it alone. You sing it together with the saint. You are in fellowship with the saint. We are together, singing together. I am worshipping God. Right relationship with God and with man. A worshipful heart, a thankful heart, and a kindred heart. When we are spirit-filled, there is a strong desire to worship God. And this morning, the worship was beautiful. Uh, we were able to get into the presence of God and worship Him. Right? And there is also a desire to fellowship with fellow believers. The test of sp- true spirituality is seen in how we relate to God and to fellow believers. People will not be impressed just because you can do some signs and wonder. They may just be attracted and impressed for a short while. But after a while, people also get used to it. But people will be impressed when you are rightly related with God and you are rightly related with them. So you see, spiritual formation is not withdrawing ourselves from the world. It's not living in a cave for a prolonged period of time and to live like a hermit. No. Spiritual formation is relational. Jesus, while on earth, he was relational. Jesus was always seen with people. He was seen in feasts, wedding, fellowship, funeral. Jesus always go around relating with people. To be like Jesus is also to be relational. Relate to God and relate to man. If you have a difficult personality, some of us may have difficult personality, the Holy Spirit can transform us and cause you to have a more pleasant personality. If you are a person that's always worried, they're always you know, uh, uh, full of sorrow and grief in your heart, the Holy Spirit can fill you with joy and make you attractive to others. The early believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, they were in favor with all the people. They were in favor with all the people and their number grew daily. Because they were in favor with men. They were rightly related with men. Their number grew. You see? Their number grew. Because can you imagine we as a church, as a Christian, if we do not relate well to people, right? You think people want to come and join us? They say, don't ever join the group of people. They are always grumpy. They are always grouchy. They are always complaining. They are always shouting at each other. They are always quarreling. They are always arguing. You think people want to join us? No, isn't it? But they say, hey, let's join this group of people. They are always so happy. They are so joyful. They are so caring. They are full of love. They share with one another. They support each other. Let's join them. You see? Jesus come to bridge the gap between God and God and man and man, to bring reconciliation. So when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, you realize the Holy Spirit transforms us, that we too will be able to live in favor, not only with God, but with men as well. So right relationship. And secondly, there is also a right living. The Holy Spirit transforms us, not only we have right relationship with God and man, the Holy Spirit transforms us so that we will live rightly. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to verse 17, it says here, Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desire what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. The Christian life cannot be lived according to the sinful nature. We will fail if we live according to the sinful nature. We are to be led by the Spirit so that we will not succumb to the desires of the sinful nature. What do you mean by walk by the Spirit? It sounds very vague, isn't it? What's it? Walk by the Spirit. What do you mean walk by the Spirit? Walk by the Spirit, simply put it, is living a life in the Spirit. It means living your life in the continuous presence of God. When you are living a life in the Spirit, you are living in the continuous presence of God. You are aware of God's presence. It is God's consciousness in our daily living. It's pursuing God in our heart. Are you conscious of God when you go about your daily routine? Or are you only conscious of God when you are in the church? Can you feel the presence of God, sense the presence of God at home? Or can you only sense the presence of God that is in the church? When we are filled with the Spirit, wherever we are, we are conscious of God's presence. Wherever we are, we can sense His presence in our life, right? even in our daily routine. Are you conscious that He is there with you as you weave in and out of the traffic? Are you aware that He's watching you even as you talk to your client, as you order your food? Are you aware of His you know, presence uh, whenever you go to the park, to, in the gym, doing your exercise, or even when you go to the washroom? Are you aware of the conscience of God when you give birth to your baby? As those new parents, as the new mothers, are you conscious? You know, He is with us always, the Bible says. He is with us, the Holy Spirit with us always, not only when we are doing church work, not only when we are doing Christian ministry, not only when we are doing social work or doing something good, but He is also with us when we are doing the most mundane thing in life. But my question is, since the Holy Spirit is with us, Will he be pleased with you or will he grieve because of your action? Will he be pleased with the way you drive? Will he be pleased with the way you do your business? Will he be pleased with the way you talk to people? Or will he be grieved? You see? Right? It's God's consciousness in our life. When we want to be filled with the walk in the Spirit, walk by the Spirit means we are conscious of God in our life. When we are conscious of God. Can you imagine if one day Jesus appeared beside you? And Jesus said, I'm going to be with you. I'm sure when Jesus appeared beside me, I'll be very excited and I hope you'll be excited too. And then Jesus said, well, can I follow you? Uh, Jesus, where do you want to follow? I want to follow you to your office. Wow. Can you imagine Jesus follow you to your office? Nobody can see him, only you. Okay? Right? As you talk to your boss, as you talk to your subordinate, right? Well, tell me, does that make any change to you compared to other days? Definitely will, right? Because you are conscious. Jesus is watching. Now, you may not see Jesus physically, but he's there with you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So after today, remember, there's always big brother watching. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is watching us. Are we conscious of that? Or will we only do good when we see Him? Right? But God is always there. To walk in step with the Spirit means we must be God's conscious. It also means to abide in Christ. Jesus said, I'm the one, you are the branches. 
right? And we are to abide in Him. We are to continue in Him. The word abide it means continue in Him. Just like we are, we are conscious of the continuous presence of God in our life. Now, how do we abide in Christ? By practicing spiritual discipline. Uh, the different step of spiritual formation by practicing spiritual discipline. We talk about spiritual discipline uh, in the camp, like reading the Bible, doing our devotion, meditate the Bible, meditate scripture, meditation, prayer, attending church, you know, fellowship with fellow believers, etc., etc. These are all acts of spiritual formation. Uh, these are spiritual discipline. They are a means to an end. They are not an end itself. They are means to help us to be more and more like Jesus. These spiritual discipline are to be carried out with a willing heart and with God's consciousness. They are not rules, they are not laws to bind us, but they are guidelines to help us grow. There's no shortcut in spiritual formation. When we say we walk in the Spirit, right living, when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, not only we, He empowers us, He transforms us by having a right relationship, by having a right living. In Romans chapter 8, Verse 5 to verse 13. It gives further contrast about the life in the flesh and the life in the spirit. It's a very lengthy passage of scripture. I hope you go back and read through it, right? But I just give you a summary of what it is, right? so to help us to understand. When you read this passage of scripture, go back, you read right, carefully. It contrasts between the life in the flesh and the life in the spirit. It says, in the life in the flesh, their mind is set on fleshly desire. The mind is governed by the, by the flesh is dead. The, the, the one who lives in the flesh is hostile to God. He's rebellious. He cannot please God. And he does not belong to Christ. But the life in the Spirit, one who is filled with the Holy Spirit, one who is walked by the Spirit, one who is led by the Spirit, his mind is set on spiritual desire. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. It gives life. And then we are child of God because the Bible tells us in Romans that those who are led by God are called children of God and we belong to Christ. So church, the spirit-filled life is more than just power. We need character as well. The result of walking by the spirit is godliness. From what we can see here, the result of walking by the spirit is godliness. Godliness means Christ-likeness. Godliness is not measured by Christian activity. It's not measured by how much thing you have done for God. It's not measured by the things that we perform. It's measured by the fruit that we bear. Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. And that's why in Galatians chapter 5, we have read you know, just now about uh, chapter 16 that we are to walk in the Spirit. In chapter uh, 5, the same chapter, verse 22-23, it gave us the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, before that, it gave us a list of you know, the activities of the flesh. And now it contrasts with the fruit of the Spirit. Right? There is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, faithfulness, uh, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22-23 is in direct contrast to what is listed earlier on the verses before. We are to, we are to put to death the deeds of the flesh. And the Bible tells us that we can't do it with our own strength. This is what we call spiritual warfare, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit. May the Holy Spirit put a strong desire in each and every one of our hearts so that we will turn away from our sinful desire. We will not gratify, we will not please, we will not give in to our sinful desire so that those sinful desires become repulsive to us. 
I'm not sure whether you have experienced ever since you become a Christian. Some of the things that you used to do in the past has become repulsive to you because they are not right. I hope you do. I hope there were things that you used to do before you become a Christian, the sinful acts. But now, after becoming a Christian, they become repulsive to you. You say, no, I will not go back to it anymore. It could be gambling. It could be smoking. It could be other forms of addiction. Uh, you say, they no, they become repulsive to me. And that is life's transformation. That's how the Holy Spirit transforms us. Life transformation takes place when we replace the evil with the good thing. The spirit-filled Christian bear the fruit of the spirit. We become attractive. Back to Peter and John that we talked about just now. And after, you know, preaching to uh, the religious leader who were against them, the Bible makes this statement that the religious leader were amazed at Peter and John because they were unschooled. Right? They were unschooled, they were fishermen, and they came to the conclusion. They took notice of them and came to the conclusion that this man had been with Jesus. This man had been with Jesus. Somehow the courage, the wisdom, and the disposition of Jesus rubbed onto the apostle and others notice it. When we live a spirit-filled life, the courage of God, the wisdom of God, the disposition of Jesus should rub on us. How much of Jesus has been rubbed on you? Depends on how much you allow the Holy Spirit to take control of your life. Depends on how much you are willing to transform or to surrender to God. Take a look at our personal life. How much have you changed since you become a Christian? More so if we claim as Pentecostal Christians, if we claim to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, how much have you changed since then? It is regrettable that some Christians are chasing after spiritual power and the spectacular manifestation. They wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so that they will receive power. Just like the Bible tells us, a man by the name of Simon the Sorcerer, in the book of Acts chapter 8, he was amazed at the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He was amazed that the people were filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues, and he offered money to buy. What was he looking for? He wanted the Holy Spirit not because he wanted a changed life, but because he wanted power. It came from a bad motivation, and he was rebuked. Right? He was rebuked by Peter. So similarly, let us not just crave for the power. Power of the Spirit is needed in our life. The Holy Spirit, right? the purpose to empower us to serve and to witness for Christ, the attention is not to ourselves. The attention is to God. The book of Acts recorded for us mighty working of the Holy Spirit. You can read so many pages. But you know that the New Testament letter exhort the believers to live a spirit-filled life. You can see all these signs and wonders recorded in the book of Acts. But when you begin to read the letters, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and go down the list, the key about spirit-filled life, it is how we live a Christian life that pleases the Lord. Now, interestingly, many of these verses that talk about spirit-filled life make no mention of power. Paul, in his letter to the churches, spent more time talking about Christian character than about power. Not that these are not important. Rather, I believe God wants to bring us to a balance. God wants to bring us to a balance. Balance between empowerment 
and transformation. Power can corrupt if we don't have the character. But character builds up and character always leaves behind a good legacy. And we are building legacy. Don't just crave for the power, but character. Uh, but character without power can be frustrating. Why? Because of our human limitation. Therefore, we need power so that we can carry out the work of God. So we can't emphasize one right, and neglect the other. Power is needed when we serve the Lord, when we want to be witnesses. Character defines who we are. Both power and character are needed for us to be Christ's witnesses. When people see the power of God manifested through the working of the Holy Spirit, they will be attracted, they will be directed to God. But when people see our character as led by the Spirit, they are also attracted to God and give glory to God for the life they see change in us. So today, Pentecost Sunday, as we emphasize on the Holy Spirit, the working of the Spirit, as we emphasize that we need to be baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit, remember the Spirit come to build our life to both empower us and transform us. We need both. And let us go after the balance. You think you have the character without the power. Pray for the power. You, but if you are thinking that you, know, uh, that, that you want the power, good. But don't forget your character. Empowerment, transformation, let's put it to a balance. The Holy Spirit wants to help us. And let's just look to the Lord in prayer at this moment as I call the worship team to come forward. The Holy Spirit wants to build our life. Today, if you need to be empowered, you can pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and empower you. Today, you feel that there are certain areas of your life that need to be changed. You can come and pray that the Holy Spirit will transform you to Today you are facing some difficulties in your life. You are facing some needs, having some needs in your life. You can come and pray that the Holy Spirit will help you and meet your needs. Hallelujah.